Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of The Intelligent Moron with Alex Silva. Coming to you on the week of the Super Bowl. It's finally here. And I am sad. Because it's my final final football week that I'm going to be able to enjoy for the rest for like another six months. Football won't be back until like middle of August. And um, it makes me sad. It came and went so quickly. I think so. You know, to me, football season is a special time. It's a time like no other. Because it's a sport in America that has the least amount of games and at least the least amount of time for a season. It lasts from September to February. And then it's over. And maybe it's not the most like um time wise, like month wise, probably probably not the shortest sport. But game-wise, like, it's only 17 games. Every team has to play 17 games, and that is it. There isn't much to, um, isn't much time to waste when it comes to football season. It is a special time of year. And we are in the final week of the 2023-2024 season. With this Sunday, obviously, being Super Bowl Sunday. We can all look forward to that. Of course, I'll be watching the game. I mean, it's football. Why would I not be? It's going to be a, I think, a pretty decent game. Like I alluded to last week's episode, I was saying that if the 49ers don't win this Super Bowl, then that team probably is going to get blown up. Probably. Only for the fact of, you know, because they have been trying with this core of players for a long time. I'm talking, you know, Kittle, Juszczyk, that defense, Shanahan. Well, maybe not the core, but definitely the head coach. Like, Kyle Shanahan has proven time and time again that he is not capable of winning the big game when it really matters. We've seen it happen in the Super Bowl. We've seen it ha- twice, actually. Once as a coordinator, and then once as a head coach. So it's happened a couple times. But, you know, we've also seen him have some good games. Like like uh, two weeks ago in, against Detroit, we saw that. Down, they were down, but then they came back to win. And that is not normally what Kyle Shanahan is known for, is coming back from behind. So, to say the least, I feel like all the pressure is on the 49ers, in my opinion, because of who is on that team, what that team has been through. That team has been always knocking on the door ever since Shanahan got there. Pretty much as soon as he got there, maybe a year after he got there, he made that team more more competitive than before. And I do think that 
the pressure for this week's Super Bowl is on the 49ers and not the Chiefs. Now, not to say that the Chiefs are underdogs either. I don't think so. I think that this is probably a super evenly matched Super Bowl in terms of how one team's weakness levels out their entire overall score, I would say, against the other team's weakness leveling out their entire score as well, meaning like their weakness cancels out their their um, their strengths and they're pretty even. They're pretty evenly matched. I would think that when it comes to like a defense, when you're looking at San Francisco and you're looking at Kansas City, the strength of their defense in San Francisco is probably their talented players. All of them. They have so many. Like, you know, they have um, Nick Bosa. They have Fred Warner. Um, Eric Armstead. Talented, talented guys, super talented. Chase Young, very, very talented people. And you look at Kansas City. Now, while they have Chris Jones, who's very, very good, they don't nearly have as many talented dudes on the Chiefs as the 49ers do have on their team. I think that the Chiefs' strength, when it comes to their defense, is their coach, Steve Spagnola who I think has been having a phenomenal playoffs so far. He has been pretty much making the Chiefs have one of the best playoff defenses and also regular season defenses that I've seen from a Kansas City team in quite a while. You know, just the way like his defenses have been able to clamp down on Buffalo, on Baltimore, when it mattered, and um, it seems like, you know, they got it all figured out. They have it all figured out in the terms of the defense. And with the offense, you look at Kansas City, you're like, well, they have the best quarterback in the league in Patrick Mahomes, obviously, you know, with a dude like Patrick Mahomes with the talent that he possesses, and also having the best coach in the world, the best coach in the league in Andy Reid, it's quite hard to favor, you know, not it's quite hard to not favor the Chiefs if you really think about it. Like, I know they don't have, like, the most talented guys. They don't. San Francisco does. But I think Kansas City, ultimately... Is a well is a much better coach, better coached team than San Francisco is. If I were to give this the edges between the teams that are going to be in the Super Bowl, Kansas City has the coaching staff, the discipline, and the we've been there already. The experience, obviously, San Francisco has experience as well. But I think that they lack in discipline and they lack in coaching when a, you compare it to Kansas City. And I think that these past few games where Kansas City has won because of their discipline and because of their coaching, 
and San Francisco has been winning on their talent, kind of bailing them out. Um, not playing to full strength against Green Bay, kind of fucking around with Detroit, like, and then winning at the end because their talent woke up. Um, I do think that if San Francisco cannot win by shoving the ball down Kansas City's throat, and what I mean is running the ball with Christian McCaffrey, throwing in some Debo Samuel, throwing in all these trick plays from Shanahan's brain. Um, I think that Kansas City is going to out-duel San Francisco because they are better coached. And I think that because Kansas City is so good and so in sync, I do think that Travis Kelsey will also have a field day in the Super Bowl. Like, if I, I, I would be shocked if, like, Travis Kelsey did not have a good day. I've seen it from time and time. The San Francisco 49ers secondary can be, can seem very, very lost at many times in this, uh, in this current team, who they have on that team. In this year, they, they, there's just a lot of plays, man, where you look at them, and they seem lost. They they seem like the guys are just wide open. And I think that if Kansas City is able to get a lead on San Francisco and they're able to hold that lead while Kansas City's defense puts the clamps on and doesn't let Brock Purdy or Debo Samuel or Christian McCaffrey do anything, I think it can be only the Chiefs that win this game. I would be actually shocked if the 49ers can win because that means that either the Chiefs just blew it or the 49ers the 49ers actually step up and beat the Chiefs in a way that I think that they haven't beaten a team all year let alone all playoffs you know by discipline patience perfect execution and poise. That's a, another thing that I think Kansas City has is poise and attention to detail. San Francisco from these past few playoff games, in my opinion, has not had the attention to detail that Kansas City has. Kansas City has had so much attention to detail that it's almost like, wow, like it's like almost impossible to beat them. And I was rooting for the other teams in their past two games. I was rooting for Buffalo and I was rooting for Baltimore. And none of them could beat them. And this is considered a not a down year for Kansas City. Not not a not an amazing year that like they've had in the past. This has been considered a down year. And look where they're at. They're back in the Super Bowl. Ready to get another championship. And Travis Kelsey has already said that he wants this one more than any other one that he's gotten. He wants this one. Now, what does that mean? Well, I think what that means is that old Travis Kelsey is probably going to retire if he wins the Super Bowl this year. I think that, you know, this dude's stardom, this dude's popularity has just skyrocketed 
because he's dating Taylor Swift. He's in so many commercials, and he's said already that he wants to act and stuff. Like, and he's, I think he's 34, maybe 35 years old. I mean, for a tight end, that is, that's kind of up there in age. You know, he's, he's, he takes beatings every game, every game that he plays in. And, uh, you know, he's still pretty, you know, he's still, you know, he's not like, you know, injured all the time. He's not like always in like, you know, injury prone. He's not limping all the time. He's always playing all these games. He rarely misses games. If he's to if he's to, you know, ball out in this Super Bowl, and he's able to you know cement himself as one of the best tight ends to ever play in the NFL with three Super Bowls, you know, with one team he's been with one team his entire career. I think if he does it, he might. There's a possibility that he might retire. I just just you know inclination of like. You know what he's been doing in the past. I can, I, you can just kind of tell that he wants to do other things than just football. You know, he's too popular now. He's too much of a celebrity now that it feels like he kind of wants to do other things that are not football. Do I blame him? Nah, I don't. I mean, he's been in the league for a long time. He's been in the NFL for a long, long time. We forget that he is 35 years old or about to be 35. Like, he is not a young guy anymore. And that position, like I said, is a rough and tough position. There's not only catching and absorbing hits and tackles, but he blocks too. He's one of the better blocking tight ends in the league. And I don't know. I just feel like if he wins this one, he'll probably retire. If he doesn't win... I don't see him retiring. I see him trying to get one more, but I feel like this is like the best shot that he's got because I don't want to say that there is a clear-cut favorite in this Super Bowl because there isn't. But every time I talk about it, every time I think about it, every time I look at who's on this team on Kansas City and how sneaky they could be, you know, with Travis Kelsey, um, MVS, Isaiah Pacheco even, like Pacheco is a sneaky weapon for Kansas City. They have potentially someone who can go toe-to-toe with Christian McCaffrey on the ground in running the ball because that dude, you know, they don't use him as much as I think that they should, but I think that, that, that they play that to their strength because they hit you with Pacheco when you least expect it, and they hit you hard and fast. And that dude runs with like a purpose. He runs angry. He always gets so many yards too with every carry. And I think that teams just kind of forget that they even have that he's even on on their team because whenever I see him run, he just gashes defenses and he runs for so much more than what they expected. I mean, he was one of the biggest like I thought that he probably was going to be you know Super Bowl MVP. Last year, because of how good they used him and how good he played last year. And, you know, of course, the MVP for the Super Bowl was Patrick Mahomes. You know, they they pretty much always kind of give it to the quarterback, you know, because, you know, the quarterback does the most in every game. But I tell you, man, I don't think that they would have won that Super Bowl without Pacheco doing what he was doing. Like, he was keeping them in it. He was, 
you know, when it got pretty tight, he was able to always give them give them a little bit of breathing room to, you know, to to work with. So I would not, you know, I wouldn't doubt that they're going to be using Pacheco, you know, and if they decide to, you know what, let's 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 put him out there. Let's let's make him um go toe to toe with McCaffrey and we'll see who wins that battle because that dude is sneaky good. Like he's super athletic. It's he is a weapon. You know, he's a weapon. And of course you have, you know, Patrick Mahomes, like I said, best quarterback in the league. If this dude wins his third Super Bowl, which I think he could, I really do, um, he's pretty much gonna be on track to, you know, not it's hard to say tie Tom Brady in, in Super Bowl championships. It's like almost impossible to even fathom. But he's definitely, you know, won a lot more than most quarterbacks do at their age. I think he's going to be like 28, maybe, I think 28 years old. So he's still a very young dude. And it's not like he's like, you know, playing a position that, you know, could, you know, uh, push an early retirement. Like he's playing quarterback and he's protected pretty well. Very well, actually. On the Chiefs. So it's like that dude can play for at least like maybe 10 more years and give himself more chances to get to that number, which is seven for Tom Brady. Six, if you count with one um, one team. Because he had that, you know, ten, that 10-year ten contract. I'm pretty sure if he wins another Super Bowl, he might never leave that place. So, I mean, uh, you know, you never really know. But there's always, a, you know, a chance for that guy. You never really can count that guy out. I've been trying to see if it's, you know, if, if it's possible that you can count this dude Patrick Mahomes out. I've seen two, three, four playoff runs with this guy, and you can't really count the guy out, you know, ever. Like It's almost impossible. You're almost doing yourself a disservice to counting him out because he always finds a way. It's insane. Like It's like almost like, you know, the team could be not that great. The team could be okay, which I think for the most part of this year was okay. They were okay. But they won the game. Their games because they had the dude Patrick Mahomes. Like that dude just keeps them in games. He is not going to. Uh, he's not going to let them uh, falter. He's going to give it everything that they, everything that he's got. And sometimes, you know, you think to yourself like, well, he doesn't have that much, or like there isn't enough time for him to. Uh, um, there isn't enough time for him to. Uh, you know, do things or like enough time for him to make a play, but there is. And every time we doubt it, we feel like idiots. So I think that San Francisco has what it takes to win, but I'm not going to go with San Francisco. If I need, if I was to pick a team to win the Super Bowl, and I'm not betting, I'm not betting anybody or anything like that, but if I were, if I was to pick, man, I, I can't. I just can't take, I just can't go against Patrick Mahomes. I just can't do it. I just can't see myself, like, actually, like, you know, doubting him and then him not, you know, you know, turning, you know, winning anything, you know, winning it. I just, I can't see it happening. I cannot physically see it. It's impossible. Um, but, you know, Besides that, you know, besides how good that the Chiefs are, the Niners are still good too. Like, if Brock Purdy can play his best game ever, and I say that because 
there are times where he's played games where if he's not good, it's really hard for the team to come back. It's really hard for him to adjust and get in the groove with the rest of the team so they they can win the game. Now, there's not going to be any weather because they're going to be playing in the dome, so there's nothing to worry about there. But still, like... I, I get that he's a really good quarterback. I'm not I'm not going to slander Brock Purdy and what he's been doing this entire year. But he's not a Patrick Mahomes type of quarterback, in my opinion. He will turn the ball over, like, you know, and he will probably make bad more bad throws than Patrick Mahomes. I don't really see Patrick Mahomes making very many bad throws ever. Brock Purdy, yes, he's made bad throws in the past. Patrick Mahomes, that's almost like a thing that you never really hear anyone say about him, that he made a bad throw. Just You never really hear it. So I just feel like, in terms of quarterback, you know, who's going to win that battle? Even if Mahomes has an off day, which I doubt he will in the Super Bowl, I think that he's able to pull it out. While as Brock Purdy can, and then he probably can't. It's a 50-50 chance with this dude. And I would say it's more of a a 75 to 25 chance with Patrick Mahomes that he's most definitely going to pull it out. Whereas Brock Purdy, he might not. But then again, Brock Purdy's got all the weapons that Patrick Mahomes would love. Like Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel. Oh my God, like how, how can you... You know, it's so hard to plan against those dudes. Like, I feel like... This Super Bowl almost has to be run by, like, Debo Samuel. Because every time that dude touches the ball, man, he can just run up that field and get so many yards and juke out so many dudes and just make plays. Like, he was missed. He wasn't used as much in Detroit and then in Green with Green Bay he was injured. So I feel like with this game... That could be like their secret weapon, like fully unleashing Debo Samuel. But then again, I think that, you know, Kansas City is probably going to triple cover that guy just so they can neutralize him and then make per- Brock Purdy throw to anyone else. Brandon Ayuk, um, George Kittle, even Christian McCaffrey. Like this is going to be a crazy game. I think it's a, it's a pretty evenly matched game. I'm pretty sure I saw today that the Madden simulated game was 30 to 28 Chiefs win. So, you know, Madden says it's going to be a pretty close game. Now, I don't play Madden. I haven't played Madden in a long time. And um, I just think that, well, if the simulations are ever accurate which I'm not too sure if they are, and this is going to be a pretty dang close game. So I hope that we get a good game. You know, that's all I can really hope for. You know, as a neutral viewer, I want a good game. I don't want, you know, a, a shitty game. I want a game that, that'll leave people, you know, saying, like, this was one of the best Super Bowls of all time, right? Because there's so much, like, negative discourse at the moment right now. I don't know if you've seen online, but people online and people in real life too don't really like this Super Bowl matchup whatsoever. 
I'm not really too sure why. Um, if you watch the games, if you were watching the football games that were before the Super Bowl, you could easily tell that these both of these teams deserve to be in the Super Bowl. Like there was no like tomfoolery. There was no like you know bad calls or shouldn't be there except for the except for the Rams game with the Lions. Um, but like these teams have deserved it. Like there is no like candy assness about these teams. They deservedly are in the Super Bowl because because they are the best team. The best teams, sorry. Um, they just are. I don't know. I feel like it's going to be a very good game. Um, going to be pretty awesome. I've already got food planned out. You know, I'm moving away from barbecuing. I'm not going to be barbecuing any burgers or dogs. Instead, I'm going to be making some pulled pork, which I haven't done, but I'm going to do it this uh, this Sunday because... My sister gave me the idea, like, pulled pork would be pretty lit. And I was thinking to myself, like, yeah, you know what, that would be lit. Good idea. So, I decided, like, you know what, I'm going with it. Pulled pork, pulled pork it is. You know, I love pulled pork. I've always been a been a big fan of pulled pork. You know, the first time I had it was at a, was at a, was in band. When I was in band in high school, they would serve us lunch before we would compete in marching band. I was a big old nerd back then. And one of the parents that helped um that that um would uh you know um bring food to feed us because we would be um either at the school getting ready to ship off to the competition or we would be eating on site at the competition. Well, someone decided to make pulled pork sandwiches. And Jesus Christ, man, at that point, I had never had it before to that point in high school. And when I did, I fell in love. I had never had pork pulled in a sandwich. Barbecue sauce. Oh my God. It was unbelievable. So she gave me that idea and I was like, you know what? I love pulled pork. Let's get it. You know, it's always good, right? It's not really a hard thing to cook. You know, you put in a crock pot with some seasoning and some sauces, some herbs, you know, barbecue sauce, whatever you want to put in it, you know, marinate, and then just it, it, it put in the crock pot. It breaks apart. It pulls apart on its own, essentially. You got to pull a little bit, but, you know, it, it does its... It pretty much cooks itself in that crock pot. You don't got to flip it. You just got to kind of make sure that you put it in for the right amount of time. And then it comes out amazing. And you know what's even better, though? What I discovered pretty late as well, while eating pulled pork sandwiches, was the addition of of a coleslaw. The addition of coleslaw. I was about to say sour cream, but it's coleslaw. Now, I hate coleslaw. Coleslaw is, I think, one of the most boring things that you can eat on its own. I don't really think that anyone actually is excited or wants to consume coleslaw by itself. I keep thinking to myself, like... Every time that I that that coleslaw is like on the menu 
or like yeah, a side for a meal that I get, I never really eat it because it's not good. To me, it's just not a good thing. I guess you can kind of use it as a palate cleansing mechanism. But if I'm going to be honest with you guys, I never really do that because I'm not here to taste my food like elegantly. You know, I'm here to devour, just completely devour the food, right? But I will say this, coleslaw on a pulled pork sandwich, like you got, you got bread and you got pulled pork, then you put on coleslaw on the top and then the other bun, dude, like for real, like that shit coleslaw is meant to be put on pulled pork I can't I can't tell you how much it enhances pulled pork really much pretty much any like type of barbecue meat I think in a sandwich it really enhances the flavors because on its own coleslaw is not good but when you mix it with the smokiness of the meat with the flavorful sauces and the bun it is like a flavor explosion. The t- sweet, the tanginess with the meat. It's just to die for. It's incredibly good. It's like, where have you been all my life? I didn't know that that was even like a, a thing that people would even do. I thought coleslaw was just something that you would eat by itself. You know why I thought that though, right? When I was a kid. One of my favorite destinations to eat as a family was KFC. Because you can get a meal in a bucket and then some biscuits, some mashed potatoes, coleslaw. And I remember, why did we get this? And, you know, no one liked it in the family. No one cared about it. Leftovers the next day, you know, you'd have your... A little bit of chicken, maybe a couple mashed potatoes, and then you look in the fridge, and then no one even touched the tub of coleslaw. No one likes coleslaw. No one likes it. That's what, That was my entire vision of coleslaw, just a side that nobody liked. And I was thinking to myself, like, well, see ya. I'll never touch you again. And then I had it on pulled pork, and I was like, oh my god. Where have you been all my life? It's such an incredible flavor enhancer that really brings out everything that you want in a food eating experience. Flavor and good food. I mean, like, you can't really go one without the other, right? But it's just unbelievable. If you haven't actually tried putting coleslaw on pulled pork with some barbecue sauce, I highly recommend you try it out. I know, like, you're probably, like me, of course, like, ugh, coleslaw, this is nasty. Why would anybody want this on their sandwich? Trust me. I was there, too. I was skeptical. I was almost appalled, disgusted, but then I gave it a shot, and I was like, wow, my entire life changed at that moment. And it was always, like, anti-coleslaw. But on a sandwich like that, put it on every time. 
I think it's really good. And you know what it is too? I think you can use any type of coleslaw. It could be bad coleslaw and it could be quote unquote really good coleslaw, right? I think it's just a pretty simple thing that you can put on that makes it taste better. It doesn't got to be gourmet. It don't got to be from Gordon Ramsay. It don't got to be from a super fancy restaurant, you know? It's just something that you can just pick up, you know, from a store. Pre-made. I don't even know how you make it, to be honest, but it, it it's not that hard to make, I would assume, right? It's a great flavor enhancer, and I think that if you're a fan of barbecue, like myself, you should give it a shot, for real. And, um... Speaking of, like, barbecue food, though, I think that the, um, one of the things that you must have when you eat barbecue is cornbread. I think that also is a thing that people are kind of scared of. You know, they hear cornbread and they they see that it's yellow and it's like almost like a cake and then they're kind of scared of it. They don't want to eat it. They think that it's disgusting. They think that it's unnatural. That it shouldn't be made. But let me tell you this, man. Cornbread. I just had it a couple nights ago. We made some chili. That was incredible. You know, cornbread and chili is quite the combination. And when you got a good cornbread with some butter, oh my God. It is incredible. I will tell you this, though. Cornbread is probably one of the one couple foods that you can make in your oven completely fresh, and it tastes amazing. However, cornbread leftovers, not that good. I had some leftovers of cornbread yesterday from a dinner a couple nights ago and it wasn't that great i'll just give you that i mean like it 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 does the best that you can possibly do with it but it's just not that great it just loses its moisture i think the moisture from when it when you you bring it out of the oven and it's there and it's fresh it's like a one in a one one time thing once you reheat it in the microwave it just kind of dries out and it's it's sad because like it's so good when it's completely fresh and it's ready for you to eat and just put some butter on it and it's nice and warm it's amazing but once you reheat it it loses all that and it kind of sucks now i would still say if you've never had it give it a shot because it's so delicious it's incredible but back to the super bowl though um i'm also very interested and intrigued and kind of you know getting a little bit of like teases and like preparation for what kind of commercials we will be getting for this year's Super Bowl um I think that we're gonna be getting a lot of things like insurance commercials a lot of beer commercials a lot of movie trailers because, you know, I've heard that rumors we're going to have like a, a Deadpool Part 3 trailer with a Hugh Jackman returning as Wolverine, which has already been confirmed, so I'm not spoiling anything. Um, 
we're going to be getting a State Farm commercial with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, what? Are you kidding? Arnold in State Farm? Now, the only reason I heard about that was because they teased it during the NFC and AFC Championship games two weeks ago, which I don't know if I'm a fan of, if I'm going to be completely honest. Not the fact that Arnold is going to be in the in the commercial, but the whole tease for this, I don't think I really care for that, if I'm being completely honest. I think that, that it's much better to have it as a surprise. You know, nothing, nothing until, like you know, the actual commercial debuts during the Super Bowl. Like, I don't want to see any, like, really anything up until that. They've been doing this for years, though. And these little Super Bowl spot teasers a couple weeks before have been a popular thing for the past, like, maybe five or six years, right? They've been doing these things for a long time. I just think that, you know, it. it's kind of like, we don't need it. You know, we're going to be watching the Super Bowl either way. There is not one person out there that I think is like watching the teaser trailer for the commercial with Arnold for State Farm. That's thinking like, oh, I better tune into the Super Bowl to watch this commercial because Arnold is going to be in it. Like, there's nobody that thinks that. I mean, come on. Like, if 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 there's a guy who is like marketing and in, in charge of marketing for State Farm, and is thinking like, "Yo, we gotta get people hyped up for this Super Bowl ad. Let's put out a teaser a couple weeks ahead." Like, no one thinks that. No one probably even remembers remotely. Like that Arnold is gonna be in the State Farm commercial. I do because I'm a freak. But like. There is far less people like me in this world than than I think that these companies think, you know. That was probably like the only one that I really noticed that had like a teaser for it. Um, I think there might have been one for, um, shoot, what was it? Uh, I think it was a beer commercial, might have been for Coors or maybe Bud Light, I can't remember, but th- those are always you know, giant commercial, giant companies that bring out commercials, you know, all the time. Doritos is probably going to have one too that's probably going to slap. I mean, Doritos has had some pretty good ads for the longest time. You know, those are going to be some, you know, fire ads. I I can't lie. Um, But I do think that, you know, in terms of like what movie trailers are going to be coming out during the Super Bowl, I think it's going to be pretty light. It's going to be pretty light because... There isn't really many movies coming out, if you think about it, that are like in the like later on this year, like far out, like in June or July of this year that people are looking forward to. I mean, Dune Part 2 comes out in a couple weeks on March 1st, right? That's pretty close, though. We've already had so many trailers for Dune Part 2. So I'm pretty sure they're not going to have anything at the Super Bowl. Maybe like one tiny 30 second like sizzle reel of dune but that's about it i mean there ain't ain't gonna be like new shit but like there's like not really anything coming out this year besides dune that i'm super excited for um to my attention like there's not going to be any really any marvel movie besides deadpool part two that's going to be you know debuting at the super bowl nothing for star wars nothing for dc 
barely anything for Marvel. Like this is gonna be a pretty slow uh Super Bowl in terms of like movie trailers slash commercials that we're gonna be seeing during the game. Like this is probably gonna be a pretty dull, you know, campaign for Hollywood and their shit because I can't I can't, can't really think of any shows that are probably gonna have like you know, a spot during the uh, big game as well. I just don't really see any much of that happening, which is kind of weird because, you know, coming off after the strike, a bunch of stuff got delayed, a bunch of stuff got pushed back. So that's probably why we're not going to see a total or a ton of shit like that because, you know, there was strikes and stuff was delayed. So, and productions were halted. So, like, I mean, it kind of makes sense, you know. But I think that, you know, if you're a person... That is like looking forward to seeing trailers and commercials during the Super Bowl. And you don't give a shit about football. Which shame on you, by the way. You're probably not going to have the most like eventful Super Bowl commercial experience. It might pretty it might be a little bit on the lighter side in terms of like what they're going to show. You know, like com- like trailers for things that you can consume like TV and movies and stuff like that. I mean, sure, like, again, you're going to get a lot of beer commercials, chip commercials, car commercials, insurance commercials, but, like, come on. I mean, like, we're not going to go, oh, look, I'm going to go sign up for State Farm because Arnold Schwarzenegger was in the was in the commercial. That's not going to happen. Come on. At least I don't think so. I mean, you know, it could. People are freaking crazy, you know. The people might do it. Be like, yo, I saw this commercial, and now I'm here. Like, oh, God. What's going on here? Um, there is one thing that's coming out. It's going to be coming out on Thursday when this airs. Um, and it's something that kind of, you know, I've been slightly excited. Slightly excited. Um, but also a little... Um, a little concerning for me. Like, pretty, not little, but, like, majorly concerning. And that's the Halo TV show, season two. Um, I'm very skeptical about this. Not only because, you know, the first season was a big heaping pile of crap, which it really was, uh... I feel like this season, season two that's coming out, can be both good and bad. Um, good because I feel like that they're actually focusing on the human covenant war that takes place throughout the Halo games. That was not really a thing in the first season. It was kind of like a build-up to it and like a discovering of that conflict, which... I can kind of understand why they did it that way, but I do think that you kind of like confuse a lot of people of what the show is about and what Halo is really about with that entire season because you got people who are like, you know, trying to tell people that haven't seen it like it's about this and this and that, and then you give them something that's like sort of it but not really it, and then it's like, well, it's not there yet, you know? And then you kind of lose audiences, and you kind of lose attention that way. So I feel like with this uh, 
new season from what I've seen with all, all the promotion, the trailers, the little spots that they put out, a couple of interviews, that this seems more akin to like what Halo is about, which is that human-alien conflict, you know? Which is a good thing, which is a very positive thing. But I feel like also, like, what we have been shown in these trailers is so, oh man, like, it's like, it's it's weird because I feel like when, when you look at what I'm seeing from these scenes, I feel like I'm only seeing, like, one episode of the entire season just condense into a trailer in different, you know, with in, in, in like, different scenes throughout in, like, a same trailer, like, almost every couple weeks from, like, one episode is what it seems like. And I think that shows don't really do a good job in terms of showing, like, what this entire season of a show is going to be about, you know? Obviously not because I feel like, you know, a TV show is, like, probably about, like, 10 hours of content. Nowadays, probably like eight hours, you know, eight hours a season for a TV show nowadays, for a modern day TV show. Um, with a movie, it's like two and a half, so you can show quite a bit more stuff in a trailer to kind of get your the audience a general, the general, uh, general uh, consensus, the general like idea of what this entire thing is going to be about. And with a TV show, it's kind of harder to do that. It's harder to do that because it's so big, so massive. You know, you can't really boil everything into, you know, what you got into like a two-minute trailer, you know. But I feel like also you kind of can because if they did their jobs, right, if they wrote the show within the intent of telling like a, a nine, an eight-episode arc with eight eight hours of TV, we should be able to condense it down to to get the audiences a full, you know, kind of idea of what we're going to be shown here, right? With Halo, I feel like we've been getting just like one little snippet every single time we get a new trailer. And I don't really think that that's a, a very positive or ensuring way to market your TV show. And I just, I'm very worried about it, not because I was a huge fan of the first season, I was not, but I feel like this season is kind of a course correct, slash moving forward with what we written in the first one, because they're not going to straight out admit that the first season was bad, because they would never do that, why would they ever do that, they spent probably millions and millions of dollars to make that first season, and if they admit that they made a bad season, they're going to just be like, well, we wasted money. And that's not what they're going to admit. That's just not going to happen. So I feel like the show is like a, almost like a fresh season one, but also like a course correction of what they did in the previous season. Like if you notice, like there's like a few characters that were completely cut out from the first and second season and it's like <laughs> all right i see like you can kind of see like where they they were taking notes and what was good what worked and then what didn't work and then they course correct and they're like okay we're going to go in this direction 
which is weird because it almost makes it so seem like that first season was just kind of a sham and just like a like a oh let's just put our foot in the door and see what we got and people didn't like it and they're like all right well we'll switch it up but then again i feel like that is at least a way of showing that the creators the writers the showrunners are like looking at it and be like okay we made a mistake here maybe we'll tone it back with this and emphasis more of this stuff i feel like you know that's not a bad thing for most tv shows because back in the day you know before streaming they used to write while they were airing their episodes and and engaging with feedback and consuming feedback and seeing where audiences are aligning with what we have out there what is working and what is not working because not everything that you think is going to work is going to work with audiences it's just not as much as you know we love and cherish the peter jackson lord of the rings movies the original trilogy, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, are big sticklers for the books that hated what Peter Jackson did and hated what he what he created and don't even associate it associate what he made with the Lord of the Rings. It's crazy to hear that, but that's how some people feel about it. It's true. So, you know, the fact that they're able to that they don't have the ability now to write while they shoot the show, while they air the show. For one, obviously because these shows have such, so much bigger budgets now than what they did before. It's almost like it's impossible to do that now because they have to pretty much shoot it all and get all the effects done. And you know a show like Halo is going to have like the most effects as possible. And it should because... The other side of this conflict are freaking all aliens. And they pretty much have to be CGI'd. That's the one thing I think that's that I think that the creators like maybe try to get away with in the set in the first season by not having so many covenant and just having human conflict was that um Yeah, bro, all of these enemies are aliens and they pretty much are bigger than humans, stronger than humans. Like they're they're gonna have to be animated, so like you can kind of replicate what they look like in the video games for an accurate depiction. And um, that entire side is pretty much CGI. Like, I, of course, I want to see it, right? Of course, I want to see how they do. Of course, I think that cinematic Halo would be freaking incredible, but. You know, I'm pretty sure that they were aware of the daunting task of, oh yeah, this entire race that they're, the humans are fighting are all CGI, and they all gotta look pretty good. If not, no one's gonna like it, because that is a common, that was for me one of the bigger issues with season one is, while there wasn't that much Covenant, and there wasn't that much of the war in the show, when it was... Some of it was good, but also some of it, like towards the end of the season, was pretty bad. And you can you can kind of tell like where the budget went and where they ran out of budget. And then they were like, "Oh my god, what happened?" So I feel like 
with this show, you know, it's um, it's a daunting task for sure. You know, this is not an easy thing to do. It really isn't. Any show like this is, you know, big budget TV show with like a bunch of effects and a bunch of like extras and, you know, explosions and depicting a war so many years in the future, right? It's got to be tough. But to me, this is like one of the biggest shows, like the biggest show that Paramount Plus has right now. So I would think that, you know what, they got to put all hands on deck on this. Like, this is like their biggest, like, show IP that they got. You know, they got to they gotta put all their chips in the bag and really make it a good thing. And you know what? That isn't even, like, the most, like, um, discouraging thing that I've seen from the marketing from this, uh, from the show. There's, like, a few bits and pieces in these trailers that hint at a side plot in this show that looks like it's going to derivate, diverge actually from like what us as Halo fans really want to see. And it seems like it's going to be getting into more political type things more political type of um, scenarios like uh, um, humans doing bad things to other humans and for sake of, you know, saving their skin, which I get it. It is very much, you know, paralleling real world scenarios and real world uh, issues. And that's exactly what, what humans would do. And I'm pretty sure that there's a lot of that stuff that, that I mean, there is a lot of that stuff that goes on within the games as well. More so in four and five than I think that the, in 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 one, two, and three, and I just feel like that type of angle. Maybe we could wait on that for a little bit. Like, re- let's let's just more let's let's, let's let's kind of establish what Halo is at the moment, which is, like I said, this battle between humanity and these aliens that wanted to kill them all that want to destroy humanity, like, why would they do that? Let's find out the root of that first. Let's get our sides, you know, who's on whose side, and how can we, you know, make Master Chief, like, the hero that we all want to watch in this uh, in this TV show. Like, I feel like at this point in the Halo TV show, they have not written a Master Chief that we are like, yeah, that's Master Chief. Not yet, at least. I'll give them a chance, for sure. I want to see that they can do it, that they can achieve this, that it's possible. But I don't know if they can. I don't know if I, I, I don't know from what I've seen that they have done that yet. Maybe they will in this second season. Maybe what they're actually holding back in these trailers is some really, really good shit, and that we're going to get some really good Halo stuff. I mean, as far as I know, though, this is a this is gonna be a pretty a pretty disappointing fact. But I think if you're a Halo fan and you really love the Bungie style Halo and the Bungie era and the Bungie conflict that Halo that they made Halo, which was this sprawling war between humanity and the Covenant, and pretty much a good side and a bad side and a hero and then the villains obviously 
and what he has to do to save humanity. And that such a super basic, you know, black and white type of plot. Because 343 is involved in this Halo TV show, I think that if you're hoping for the return of that type of Halo story to come back, whether it be a game or even a TV show, I think that you're just out of luck on that. I think that once 343 bought or took over Halo, those core ideas from Bungie and those core values that they made in those games, those core ideas, once 343 got a hold of that franchise, I think all that was kicked to the curb in every media that you see from Halo. I mean, you, 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 we kind of got it back in Halo Infinite in the form of a new, a new villain with the Banished. But even still, like it, it doesn't really feel like we're in a conflict. It just feels like we're doing like so many small things. Which is cool because, you know, it's a first-person shooter. It's fine. But in a movie, potentially, and even in this TV show, like, because those guys are involved in making this show, I think that if you wanted to get, like, a classic Halo feel of, like, this, like I said, this grand conflict, and it only being about that, and not some weird fuckery, and Master Cheeks and all that type of weird shit. I don't think we're going to be getting it. Because Bungie is no longer in control of Halo. Because 343 is and they clearly don't give a fuck about that old style of Halo storytelling anymore. It's pretty much, you know, confirmed, at least in my eyes, that they don't care about that whatsoever. I mean, I know a lot of people are, like, you know, fans of, like, the old Halo games, like Reach, ODST. I don't think I've seen a glimpse of an ODST in any of the new Halo games out there. Whether it be 4, 5, even Infinite, even in the TV show, I don't think that there's been any, like, glimpse of, like, any, like, ODST thing anything in any of these medias mediums actually um why don't know maybe because 343 didn't create it so they feel like it's kind of like you know not there so why would they put it out there they want to they want to make the audiences like what they create and not what the previous company made i maybe that's what it is it kind of feels like that kind of feels a like a territorial thing like you know that there were so many times and this is not halo but like when disney bought star wars how much they wanted to just shove down the prequel trilogy shove down clone wars droids and all that and just have basically copy and paste the original trilogy they recently had to bring it back because that's people actually cared about that shit and people like that shit and then once they brought it back they were like oh well people like this we'll keep putting it out there I'm pretty sure it's the same thing. If if three four three did that with the Halo, the Halo franchise, they probably get that same kind of reaction. If it was good, though, it's uh, that's all that matters. Though, it's just make a good show. You know, make a good thing that kind of is within the spirit of Halo, that isn't too like far fetched, 
isn't too like espionage isn't too like uh even in the first season like all that freaking galactic smut between um halo or not halo master chief and the 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 covenant sympathizer lady like that was insane like that 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 plot was like i said when it came out like a plot out of game of thrones where it's like we need some smut what do we do all right we'll have him fuck we'll get master chief naked and we'll have him fuck like oh hell what the hell were y'all thinking it's kind of like that it's like appealing to an audience that doesn't watch Halo. It's like appealing to people who like Game of Thrones because of the smut. And only the smut. Or people, like, they were like, we need to make it like Euphoria. People like Euphoria. Let's make Halo Euphoria. That's when we get, that's when we, that's when we get shows that don't have an identity. And to me, Halo Season 1 did not have an identity. It had like a lot of things that it was trying to be along with being Halo, and it just kind of fell flat on its face. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, anyways, that show's going to be coming out on Thursday, which is today when the show, when the, when this, when this episode drops. I know I kind of was talking about it before it comes out, but I just had to get some speculation out. I just had, I just had, I just had to talk and think of like, is this going to be good? Is anybody going to watch this? I don't know. One of my friends who did not watch season one at all, but was really, really bagging on season one because he saw TikTok clips, is actually considering watching season two. And he even asked me, he said, should I watch season one before? And I honestly said, no, you should not because it's not a good TV show. Like that, that is not a good season of TV. And then he's like, well, I'm going to be left behind from season one. If whatever I don't see in season one. Now saying to him like, well, you know what? I don't recommend it because I don't think it's good. But if you want to watch season two, you might need to see some things from season one. You might need to be caught up on some things from season one to do it. That's why I told him. He hasn't done it yet. And I don't think he's going to do it, but we'll see. Anyways, people, that's going to be it for me today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Remember to, um, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube at Intelligent Moron with Alex Silva. New episodes drop every Thursday morning. Make sure to like, subscribe, rate, review, and do all that good stuff. And yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And I will see you guys next week.